0: Welcome to the Gift of Time podcast, hosted by Bart Justice of Axios Solutions. Today, Bart talks with Executive Vice President and COO of Los Angeles Pacific University, Dr. Frank Rojas, about the key people who have invested time in his life. Frank also shares how time invested in a motorcycle ministry is not only changing lives around him, but his as well. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gift of Time podcast. I'm Bart Justice, and uh, we're going to be talking today to Dr. Frank Rojas. Uh, He is uh, with the Los Angeles Pacific University, and he is the executive vice president and COO. We uh, got acquainted over LinkedIn, actually, because of our mutual uh, desire to grow in our understanding of business as well as in the education space and uh, just really hit it off with Frank and uh, found a, a mutual kindred nature there. And I just wanted to get Frank on here uh, because he's got some uh, compelling people, I think, to talk about that have invested heavily in, it, in him. Frank, uh, welcome. Well, thank you, Bart. Thank you for having me and looking forward to our conversation. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what you do there at, at LA uh, Pacific. Yeah, well, thanks, Bart. Uh,
2: uh, So again, my name is Dr. Frank Rojas, uh, and I'm really blessed to serve Los Angeles Pacific University in, in capacity of Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. That's a fancy title, but what it really means is I get to work with people who are missionally driven and have a purpose to help transform our students' lives. Los Angeles Pacific University, we're a relatively new institution in that as a standalone school, we've been around for 10 years. Uh, Although we've been a part of a bigger institution that has a 120 year legacy, our mission is to help serve underserved populations, particularly adult learners, reach their full potential. And we do it in a Christian worldview. Um, So I'm really blessed to work with teams that help match potential students' needs, desires, and objectives with our educational offerings. And once they're in the schools, uh, uh, my team helps them uh, not just start their program, but finish it in a way that's reflective of what they want to do. And so I'm really grateful I can I can take you to the ins and outs. But the simplest way to to to, uh, define what I do is I I work with a team that helps transform transform students lives.
1: That's awesome. Uh, You know, I, uh, when I was in graduate school, I got to teach at Mississippi State University. And uh, I taught engineering economics. And uh, my first semester, I had like 96 students. And I was really freaked out. Uh, with that many students, but it turned out to be incredible. I had a phenomenal experience. It really propelled my interest in academia, and uh, I've always had my, my grandfather, and my mom, I had a lot of uh, uh, people in the education world in my life, but being a part of a university setting and getting to invest in the students was, was incredible for me. Yeah, and, and
2: it's interesting. So thinking about you know this concept of the gift of time, it, uh, and we may have talked about this during one of our conversations, Bart. It's just not a gift that is given once. If the gift of time is given, uh, the receiver of that gift, uh, uh, if give, given and received right, gives it as equally as it's been given. And you know, I think back to my doctoral work, and and it was tough. I was a full time you know employee, going to school almost full time, full time family obligations. And my dissertation chair and mentor, uh, Dr. Keith Melville, was really intentional about pouring into me. And he said, Frank, you're not here to earn a doctor degree. You're here to become a doctor. And I'm not really interested in the, in the work you uh, produce from an academic perspective. I want to see you grow into the person that this program is, is intended to help you grow into. So fast forward a couple of years later, and, and, and I, I, I teach now as a way to, to stay connected to the academic side. And, and that's the approach i take with my students and and I, and, I, and i believe that it's a gift that if we if, if we've received it's it's our responsibility to give it again and again and again um and i've been really fortunate that I've, I, I i've kept relationships with students that i've had now even a couple of years uh and we've been able to work through some some interesting business or personal or, or even you know some philosophical discussions that I, I can comfortably say have impacted them but what they don't know is it's more positively impacted me. Right. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It's, a, it's an incredible uh, journey to be in the education space, especially in the college world, and seeing those students uh, after they get out and get jobs and uh, being able to engage them uh, in a professional way is, is pretty neat. Uh, now, you uh, were telling me about someone that really invested in you with the gift of time, uh, and that was uh, Dr. John Reynolds and a fascinating guy. I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to just tell, because it really, uh, this podcast is about learning how people can invest. And one of the best ways to do that is to hear the stories of how people have invested in others. And maybe it'll spark some interest in the listeners here on the podcast to to model those things.
2: Outstanding. So yeah, so it's an interesting story. And, And so let me clarify by saying that Dr. John Reynolds is somebody who I consider a friend and a mentor, uh, but he's also my boss at, at uh, Los Angeles Pacific University. He's the president of the university. And it was quite by accident I, meant it, I met him. And, and it's important to understand this story because every, and as I retell it, I, I hope to impress upon you and anybody else listening to the podcast, how it was these authentic and real investments of time, not just one investment of time, but these authentic and real uh, uh, a series of investments of time that that have helped me flourish as a, as a professional, as a husband, as a father and as a Christian. Um, so so uh, I met I met uh, Dr. Reynolds by accident. I was working at another university and uh, I received a very strange phone call from somebody saying your, your profile looks interesting to me. I'm working with this small group. Uh, um, out of Los Angeles that has uh, uh, this online college. And we'd like to talk to you about that. I wasn't interested in looking for work. I wasn't interested for for a job. I was really satisfied where I was at, Um, but I like to network and connect. And so I said, sure. So uh, I had a phone call with this recruiter and that led to a conversation with Dr. Reynolds. And it was a Zoom phone call. And it was at some odd hour. I think he was in South Africa and I keep fairly odd hours. So it might've been a 4 a.m. or a 6 a.m. call. And we had this Zoom call. Uh, and he talked to me a little bit about who he was and what the opportunity was at Los Angeles. At, at the time it was underbranded under a different college, but he talked to me about the opportunities and said, um, I want you to think about this and then I'll get back to you in the next 30 days. And I thought that was kind of odd because it's, it's not been the process that I've ever been through. Um, so I said, sure, let's follow up. You know, he's, he's like, I'm traveling and things like that. So we'll, we'll circle back in the next 30 days. I kind of put that in the parking lot and went about my life 30 days later, almost Almost to the day, I can't remember exactly the day, I got a call from, from John or Dr. Reynolds, and he says, well, what are your thoughts? And, and my head was saying, I'm not interested. You know, you, you can't, it's a smaller organization. It's not as prestigious as the university I'm working with now. Compensation isn't where it needs to be. You know, uh, it's high risk. You guys are so small and still in this entrepreneurial state. And that's not what I was looking for, right? But my heart wouldn't let me. Uh, um, and this is an important part of the story because I, I, I felt... Uh, um, at that moment, I felt like this, this uh, uh, authentic connection with John and, and with the mission of what he was trying to do. And while I couldn't quite rationalize it at the time, my head was saying no, but my heart was saying, yes. Yeah. So I told John, great, let's, 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 uh, let's meet. So we met um, in Oceanside for coffee and that's important because that's been a, a practice now we've had now for six years. Right. Mm. Um, and uh, I'll fast forward parts of the, Parts of this story, uh, Bart, but over over a series of three or four months, John and I invested not in interviews, but in, in time, getting to know each other and getting to know how we could support each other in our mission to advance God's kingdom through education. And I, I have to be really honest with you. And if John ever reads this, uh, hears this, I think he's heard me tell this story before. After every intervention we had, every interaction we had, every interview or conversation we had, uh, my head was saying it's time to let John down. It's time to say, John, I'm just not interested. <laughs> so much so that after every interview, my wife would say, "So did you tell him you're not interested?" And I told her, "No, it just didn't feel right. Uh, I'll do it the next. I'll do it before the next meeting, and before that next meeting, it never happened." <laughs> Um, and, and that was a series of, and there were eight or 10 interactions with Dr. Reynolds and each one, it wasn't about how can you help me build value in the university? It wasn't, how can you help us grow? Those were important parts of the conversation, but the conversation was more centered on how can I help you, Frank, be the leader that God wants you to be? How can I help you grow into the potential, uh, that, that, that I see in you and that God sees in you. Uh, And how can I help you fulfill God's plan for you? Right. So uh, after, like I said, a dozen conversation and and lots of wrestling between my head and my heart, uh, I made the decision to leave the institution where I was at to, to begin at Los Angeles Pacific University. But it didn't end there. In the six years that I've been working with John, and we've had some really good high points, and we've had some really, really uh, uh, low, low points. The theme that has kept me engaged, and there's two things that have kept me engaged. Number one is missionally what we do. I mean, I get to wake up every day, serve God and serve man. And I, and I make a living doing it. That's just a phenomenal space to live in, right? And, I, and I'm passionate and I enjoy what I do. Not every day is happy, but every day is joyous. So that's that's one of the primary reasons that keeps me there. But the other primary reason is it is because of Dr. Reynolds. He, he um, has authentically encouraged me and poured into me to be the person who God has uh, sees me to be. Um, and it just isn't in work. Uh, um, Dr. Reynolds was a big advocate for me in pursuing my doctoral work. Uh, In fact, I I can comfortably say if it wasn't for his support, the support of Dr. Melville, who I shared earlier, and my wife and my family, I probably would not have finished my, my doctoral work. I think just about every day, John would check in 15 minutes, how are your studies going? Uh, You're at the dissertation stage. Let me connect you with this person. They might be able to help. I know you're wrestling with your research question. Let's talk about this. So it wasn't just checking in, but it was checking in with a purpose, again, helping me reach my goal. He's helped me be a better steward of uh, of the gifts that God has given me. He's inspired me to, to do more community work. In, in my church and in my community. And so, yeah, uh, um, again, while they always haven't been, you know, great, great moments or low moments, the, the, the thing that's been consistent, Bart, is just his, his ability to pour in unconditionally uh, and meet me where I'm at, not being judgmental or not being, you know, uh, uh, artificially enthusiastic, just meeting me at an authentic level where I'm at
1: and asking the question, how are you doing? And then just listening. Wow. It sounds like he's genuinely interested in you and not what necessarily what you can do for him or for the university. I mean, those those things are important, right? We have a mission. If we've got a job and we've got people that are working with us, it's important to advance uh, what we're doing in our, in our work. Uh, But when the task becomes more important than the people we uh, we often kind of get steamrolled and the or agendas start taking a higher uh, priority and so it just sounds like Dr Reynolds is one of those guys that he, he's just super interested in you as a person and I would I would I would guess that that you're not the only person that he invests in like that.
2: And I was just about to say the thing that amazes me, John, is uh, about John or Dr Reynolds is is two things, and I've mentioned the authenticity in which he does it. But then he does that with his entire uh, executive leadership team and either, even others in the institution. One of the things that I, I thought was really strange was that John had mentoring sessions with other people in the organization that were two, three, or four levels under him on the org chart, right? And, and I don't mean strange like, you know, that's that's odd. I, well, maybe it didn't mean strange like it was odd. It was just I've never seen an organization where the president and COO of an organization is is investing an hour with a frontline and frontline employee, saying how can I help you be the better the better person that you want to be or the better professional or the better you know fill in the blank, right? Uh, and, and it wasn't a one time thing. It was it's his consistency and uh, and it and I would love to tell you you know John he just saw something special in me and on this project. But uh, I can't say that with a, with my hand on my heart. It's it's the level of care he pours into everyone, certainly on his uh, uh, on the executive leadership team and the presidential management team but I even see the way he pours into individuals and collectively as a body here at Los Angeles Pacific university. Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, I, um, I learned a lesson really early in owning a business. Uh, I had a couple of guys that were working for me and they really just did not have a vision for their lives. And, but they had done a phenomenal, really, really hard job. And they, a lot of sweat, a lot of dirt, they poured a lot into it and I wanted to reward them. And so I said, Hey, uh, let's go to lunch you get you get to choose well they chose hooters and i was like oh okay you know and so but anyway in the conversation like they knew every single person they knew the bartender all the servers even all all the people that would normally come into the restaurant they knew everybody there It was their normal hangout and i realized that every day they got off work they took the money that they had made and they just went to hooters Mm -hmm. and so the next day I brought them into the office and I was like, guys, do y'all want to be doing this job in, in five years? And they looked at each other like, no. (laughs) And I was like, well, what is it that you want to do? Cause I I knew they just didn't have a a vision for their lives. And so I started trying to invest in them. And I said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get back with y'all next week. And I want you to have some ideas. Maybe we can talk about, you know, some things that y'all can do because they were young men, they were still living at home uh, with their parents, and they just needed some kind of understanding of, of you know, what life was going to look like in, in five years. Uh, so I brought them back in the office next week, and we got to talking, and they said, we want to be firemen. And I said, okay. So we started calling around, and we found a volunteer fire department that had a program where if they got off work one day a little early and came in a little late the next day, they could spend the night at the firehouse and take classes and, and do things. And the next thing I knew you know, six months later, they were both firemen, and I didn't have those two employees, but it was the right thing to do, right? It, they, they caught a vision for what they could do and be, and they didn't need to be in that job. And I was able to replace them. But it was just neat to see that, that you do have the ability to step in and just ask questions and, and draw out what, what really uh, inspires people
2: absolutely yeah wholeheartedly agree and and the interesting thing what, what I'm learning is is while while there are real uh, uh, venues to do that sometimes they happen uh, uh, quite by accident or serendipitous and um, that you know uh, you can call it a, a divine appointment by God or coincidence but People, people come in your life that are, are there for you to pour into them in a way that you've been poured into. Yeah. So it, it, sometimes it, it happens in, in, in the way you talk about where it's really intentional. And let's spend some time figuring out a way to, to roadmap to become a fireman, for example. And sometimes it's just taking a moment to connect with somebody and, and, uh, weeks later that, that some transformation happens and you didn't intend it to happen, but it's just because you stopped and said, how can I help you? What, what, what sure. can, what or what can we what can we do together that might resolve this or, or fix this or or just how are you doing today? Right. right. I mean, it never it never surprises me. And I'm guilty of this. Um, I, I'll be out on the street. I'll run across a colleague or a friend um, and, and they'll ask me, how are you doing? And I, I think my response is busy, you know, yeah. uh, I, and, and I have to catch myself. And sometimes I'm, I'm really keen on saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Busy is not how I'm doing. Busy is a state, right? It's, but it's not a state of mind. It's a state of what you're doing in activity. And I'll have to stop and say I'm doing fine. And so I, I think my, one of my learnings is that is, is if we if we understand what this gift of time is, and again, it could be a series or sequence of events, or it could be in my in, in my experience, it could also be at one moment of time. But if you if you really appreciate uh, where you're at in that moment and who you're at with in that moment. Um, some amazing things can happen. Sometimes they don't either, but but you're right. still a part of what's happening in that life, in right. life in that moment.
1: You're aware and in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I want to shift gears a little bit because I know that you get out of the seat that you're sitting in now in the online university world and you get on a different seat uh-huh. uh, and you ride for uh, an organization called Black Sheep Harley-Davidson's for Christ. And I wanted to uh, give an opportunity for to you know, for you to share about how you invest your time in that ministry.
2: Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so Harley-Davidson, uh, Black Sheep Harley-Davidson's for Christ is a, a motorcycle ministry. We're in our 20th year. We have a worldwide presence and there's about a thousand members, maybe a little bit more worldwide. Uh, in, the, in the Temecula Valley, where I live, the Temecula Valley chapter, there's about 70 of us. And what we do is, uh Well, there's lots of things we do but the best way i can do it is we 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 bring the gospel evangelism and discipleship to to other harley davidson riders we're we're a a group that's attached specifically to the harley davidson owners group and and that's our mission field but we also work with other uh uh, we also you know provide a ministry prayer and and other uh forms of service to other motorcycle riders but mostly our, our our mission field is a harley davidson owner group and it's been a blessing. Um, you're right. When I'm not in this chair, I I love being on two wheels, uh, ripping up and down the Southern California highways. And very much like very much like uh, akin to this gift of time, you know, God has a funny way of guiding you or putting people in your way that you can bring a, a service to. Um, I can't tell you how many countless times I've been at a gas station and and um, you see a struggling family and. You know, you just you don't offer them money. You offer them prayer. Hey, you know, I, I how you doing? Great. I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, well, you know, it's kind of tough. We're relocating. We, you know, we have the circumstance. Hey, would you mind if we get in prayer for a little bit? And and we we will sit there. We'll huddle up and we'll get in prayer. Uh, uh, and I can't tell you, well, I think it's uplifting for the people that we that we, we, we pour into uh, in that kind of a circumstance. It, it uh, uplifts me in so many ways. Um, I, I, I was sharing with you a, a story earlier that my wife, uh, excuse me, my daughter and I, we rode from uh, Southern California to Brevard, North Carolina on my motorcycle. She wanted me to drop her off. And it, if I ever doubted, you know, the, uh, God's providence or God's, you know, uh, uh, faithfulness to us uh, before, uh, after that trip, I did not because every step of the way, there were reminders that God is there to provide for me. And that God is using me to provide for others. I, I shared with you a quick story. And I think it's, a, it, to me, it kind of epitomizes this trip. My daughter and I had, uh, the last 90 miles of our second day, or uh, maybe it was our first day, no, second day, we went from Amarillo, Texas to Elk City, uh, Oklahoma, and the wind was bad and it was raining and there were semis going by us. And we were white, I was white knuckling it the whole way, holding on, uh, praying to dear God that, the, that our bike wouldn't tip one way or the other. We pulled into a gas station and um, there was this curious fellow who was filling gas. And, you know, he kind of looked at us and my, my daughter and I, we, we must have been haggard, sweating, you know, because uh, even though it was raining, it was like 100 degrees, probably pale as a ghost. You know, I was probably, I, I, I'm certain I was physically shaking and he stopped and said, how are you all doing? And you know, we took a deep breath. We're doing fine. We're, we're drinking, putting gas in the car, drinking water, putting gas in the car, uh, gas in the bike. And he says, where are you coming from? And we told him we're, we left, you know, San Diego area a couple of days ago. And I won't repeat what he said because it, it, it wasn't uh, really proper. But the way he said it and the enthusiasm is his response that uh, he found out that we were riding from South car- uh, from San Diego to North Carolina Lifted my daughter and I up in such a way um, that if if, I don't know if we would have made it to Elk City, which was maybe another 30 miles away, let alone to Brevard, which was still two days away. Right. But because he took the time. Right. We're here as a motorcycle minister. I'm supposed to pour into him. He actually took the time to pour into us. My my daughter and I, I keep saying my wife. My daughter and I use that as as a way to stay focused and reminded that that there are people along this way that are going to keep us going. I'll tell you one other one other story on this trip. Uh, we were in uh, just out of Knoxville. We stopped at a, a Harley Davidson dealer there to pick up t shirts which we don't need and and other things we don't need. But you can't stop by a Harley. You can't ride by a Harley Davidson dealer on a Harley and not buy a t shirt, right? Uh, and as we were loading up the things we bought, the seat from my motorcycle fell off. Uh, um, There was a bolt that holds it down that somewhere between San Diego and this uh, Knoxville, it fell off. Could have been the last five miles or it could have been 2000 miles before that. We just don't know. And I freaked out because my daughter and I are on this and we've been doing mountain road switchbacks and things like that. Um, This gentleman comes out and he kind of sees what's going on. He had the bolt. He wasn't a dealer. He says, oh, I have one of those bolts. He took it in and he put it on the bike. And it was, uh, we stopped and we prayed together, right? I, I prayed, you know, for him. He prayed for us and we went on our way. It, it's funny. It's hard to equate biking with, with, with uh, ministry, but I think God use, uses me and uses us, all of us in a way that, that allows us to bring our passions in a way to connect those with how to pe- fill people's needs. My wife and I, we, we've polished countless motorcycle uh, boots, you know, People show up with duty boots to our rallies. We polish our shoes and we ask them, what can we pray for you about? Well, I, I can't say I've ever brought somebody to God. We've brought in a lot of people closer to God. I'll tell you one other story and then I promise I'll, I'll, I'll give you back the mic. We, there's a bunch of us that went on a camping trip on motorcycles last year, and this has been a spot I've been camping at for years. The, the night... Uh, the second night after we arrived, uh, one of the, the campground employees passed away and the whole campground staff was just, they were sad, right? They were sad and they were just, you know, brokenhearted because she was very well loved and very well respected. We found out about this and, and, uh, we had plans to go fishing that night or that day and then, you know, campfire that night and stuff. We stopped that. And, and for a couple hours, we, we poured in to as many of the camp staff as we could Um, so much so I got, I I got an email a few, few weeks later saying that, uh, they're not sure why God brought us there. And and this was from somebody who maybe wasn't a believer, but they said, Mm -hmm. we're not sure why you were here or, or why God saw you to stay with us this week, but we're grateful that you did. You helped us get through a very dark time. It was it was sad uh, uh, to see, but it's awesome. It's also awesome. It's an awesome testimony to see that if you, if your heart, uh, if you have a heart for service and a heart for love, and 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 for me as a believer, I have a heart for God. Uh, um, there are opportunities to share that if if I'm open to sharing it. It's not if people are open to receiving it. It's if I'm open to sharing it.
1: Right. You know, a lot in the evangelical world, a lot is made of the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people think of that as two commands, go and make disciples or go and share the gospel. There's actually only one command in that in the original language, and that is to make disciples or preach the gospel. The go is assumed. The go is passive in that. So as you are going, make disciples. As you are going, preach the gospel, right? I can't imagine a a better way to go than on a bike, right? As you are going down the road, as you stop at the gas station, as you stop at the restaurant, make disciples. Preach the gospel.
2: Yeah. And and, and that's terrific. And and so I I think of, you know, the two greatest commandments. I'm the Lord your God. Love me uh, uh, above all else. And, Love others as I've loved you, and while while sometimes the people in my way, Bart, and our way don't, you know, on our travels may not love God, uh, um, I'm still commanded to love them in a, in a way uh, uh, in the way that God loves me and a way that God loves them. They may not know it, and and my prayer is that one day they'll find it. Uh, um, but yeah, so it, it's a, and it's amazing, and I will tell you, and I know this is also cliche, and I, I never believed this until, and all of this, by the way, comes back to John. Uh, um, Dr. Reynolds, in that through his time, it he has nurtured me to to, to uh, and filled me to want to have this this relationship with God, a real relationship that's not just about going to church on Sundays, but how do how do I uh, exemplify Christ in my my work? Right, that's all. You know, I, I can't say John taught me how to ride motorcycles. But John isn't. John has been an integral part of getting me into this ministry and to spread the word. So again, it's an unintended, it's an unintended but desirable consequence of the seed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so anyways, it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And and, and I'll tell you what, if you ever want to learn how to 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 ride two wheels, I know you're really good on quads and you're really good on a on a zero turn lawnmower. But if you ever want to learn how to ride two two wheels, I, I'll be more than happy to get out to where you're at and and rip around a little bit.
1: Well, unfortunately, yesterday I was on two wheels on my zero turn mower, and that was the scariest thing ever. Uh, so, so yeah. Now, one of the unintended blessings, and and uh, we'll wrap it up here, but of this bike program, it, the bike ministry is that you you kind of got into this. Saying, I'm going to invest in people out on the road. We're going to we're going to do this thing. But an unintended blessing was what it did for you and your wife and your daughters. Um, getting y'all excited and interested in bikes. And so I want you to just kind of close up with a a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So funny story. Uh, uh, When my wife met me, we were on two wheels. Uh, But as it happens, when you get married, you, you have to sell your toys. And, you know, we always made an agreement that after we bought our first house, I would buy a Harley Davidson. Well, you know, five houses later, five kids later, and, you know, 25 years later, still without two wheels. So one night we're sitting in the backyard and I make a comment that I want to get on a bike. So I buy a motorcycle. We uh, were coming across, we were on a cross country, or, uh, not cross country, a trip from Sedona, Arizona uh, to Southern California. It's about six or eight hour drive. And my wife makes a comment. She wants to learn how to ride. I, I kind of laugh about it and put it off. A couple of weeks later, we're in Las Vegas riding. She says she wants to learn how to ride. So I buy her a motorcycle and I teach her how to ride. And it was in that same period of time that we, we stumbled across the black sheep group. And, and the funny thing was, is that they were at a rally in, uh, in uh, Temecula and I did not want to go. We had planned to go. They were at the blessings of the bike. That's what it was. It was the blessings of the bike. She wanted to go to get her bike. Bless. I originally wanted to go. I might have had a bad morning or something. I, I told her I don't want to go. I'm just tired and I'm I'm frustrated. Right? It's too hot. Um, we ended up going, and that's where we connected with the Black Sheep Ministry. They polished her boots. They polished. Uh, I don't think I let them polish my boots because I thought they were going to try to sell me something. Uh, and to make a long story short, she was touched. She was she was touched, and I was touched by the ministry, and that ignited a deeper passion in us to ride. So her and I started riding together. Right. And, and there's lots of things that I've encouraged spouses to do. I'm not sure that teaching your wife how to ride a motorcycle is one of them. It, it could be frustrating uh, and it's scary. Uh, teaching somebody to drive is bad enough on four wheels, but on two wheels in traffic. But, you know, she, she championed through it and I, and I felt like, good, we dodged a bullet. Well, uh, my daughter, whom I drove to rode to Southern Cal, uh, uh, to North Carolina, that summer says, dad, I want to learn how to ride. Because if we're going to ride to North Carolina, I might need to, to, to ride you at I- I said that's probably not going to happen. But uh, so I we taught her how to ride. And uh, last year, one of my other daughters uh, decided she wanted to learn how to ride. And so, because of our passion for this motorcycle, uh, for motorcycle ministry that was ignited by this passion to ride, three of uh, three of the seven of us, or I'm me, four of the seven of us now ride. Only three of my other kids don't ride, and we're working on them. But you know, it has to be up to them. But my point was, while this ministry was designed for us to to do outreach to you know the Harley Davidson owner group as our mission field, an unintended consequence has been this inreach. It's brought us closer together as a family. It's brought us closer together to God. It's brought us closer uh, in in like this authentic relationship, where where so so it's this it's this space where where now we have a a, a thing that connects us that just isn't our bloodline, but it's this love of of God and this love of riding motorcycles, the, unaccounted, the unintended consequence to that is every time I go to the garage and look at one of the three Harleys we have in the garage, the first thing that comes to my mind is which one of you are going to cost me money this week? Because inevitably, you know, you want to upgrade parts, you want to upgrade gear, you want new chrome, you want, and uh, it's a small price to pay for for two things. Number one, being able to, to bring glory to God uh, through this ministry. Uh, and probably just as important, it, it's being able to 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 grow with my family in in a way that that. that uh in a way that's kind of unique, kind of fun, and that we all enjoy doing. So yeah, thanks for letting me share that. That that one of the best parts of my, my day is when when uh, the three three of us can get on a motorcycle together and go get ice cream or go to dinner. And uh, while we we go for the ride, it's that fellowship that we're together as well. And my, my kids are yeah. like twenty years old, and they want to spend time with us on the motorcycle. Most of my friends who have twenty year old kids, they're they're like, Dad, just leave us alone. We want to we want to do other things. And so uh, we're really fortunate that our kids want to spend time with us at this ministry and, and, and writing together. So, yeah.
1: Well, you know, love is spelled with four letters, but oftentimes those four letters are T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. Um, I just believe that, uh, you know, kids will, um, that's how they spell time, um, or how they spell love. You know, they, they need need you to invest in them over and over and over again and spend that time with them. But even as we get older, that's how we experience love is through the time that people uh, intentionally, not, not on their screens, just kind of happening to be with us. But you know, we talk about a knee to knee legacy here where you just kind of square off with each other knee to knee and you're just locked in on that person spending time with them and being intentional with them and in your conversations and whatever you're doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bart, I'll give you one other four-letter word that spells love. B-I-K-E. Oh, is that
1: right? I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna have to try that out. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, at least in our family, it does. <laughs> yeah. Right now, me and my boys are doing that with ATV. So, uh, um, awesome. yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we may switch to the, to the bike later. But anyway, All hey, right. uh, Frank, thank you so much for taking the time investing your time in this uh, podcast coming on and sharing your stories. I think it's uh, going to bless our listeners for sure. Um, we just want to bless you and, and send you out in your bike ministry and in your uh, ministry there at the university to, uh, uh, to just do great things.
2: Awesome. Bart, I appreciate, I appreciate you giving me the time, you know, I, I, I uh, um, and I, I bless you and the work you're doing and I hope we can continue a, a, a long relationship above and beyond what we've done today. I appreciate you, my man. Thanks. All right. Have a great one. All right. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to the gift of time podcast. To find out more about Dr. Rojas, Los Angeles Pacific university or black sheep, hardly Davidson's for Christ. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode to find out more about Bart and the services Axios solutions offers visit bartjustice.com. The gift of time podcast is brought to you by Axios solutions, a company that believes in the power of a knee to knee conversation.